Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Hi, everybody. It's Judy and Stacy from Saltivation. We're here today to talk to you about Nexus, which is a pretty lofty topic, but we're going to uh, give you some things to think about with respect to Nexus and what that means from a state income tax, state and local tax perspective. And with that, I'm just going to throw it to to Judy and say, okay, what do you think taxpayers need to know about Nexus and what is Nexus and what what do we need to know? Well, it's not a hair product. It's got only (laughs) one X. Remember that? We used to put that on slides all the time because people didn't understand the concepts. It's kind of a legal term. So it's kind of a, what? What is Nexus? It's a hair shampoo. Anyway, and it morphed over law based on the state's ability and limitations by our US Constitution to tax an out of state entity or person for that matter. So, in order for them to assert their stat tax status over you when you're not within their boundaries, there was ways that we looked at things. And then there was ways we sliced and diced the American income tax pie to attribute it to each state. So it was based typically on traditional presence, right? People, payroll, people, payroll, uh, what inventory, assets, office space, locations, real estate. So physical presence was the historic law. And then, you know, that morphed right over time where in, you know, that's been what, golly, is that 1940s that Physical presence is kind of the thing, and then the apportionment, and then, and then we had public law sixty two seventy two, which is a whole different one. We could talk about it another time, but it's something to think about when you sell a good and not a service. But then we morphed to this whole thing where people pop in and they pop out, and we had some de minimis arguments like, "Well, I'm only there one day," or "I'm only there two days," or "I'm going out for a trade show." So this physical presence, yes, I visited the state, I sat there for one day, I did make a market, I did sell to somebody. There were some laws put in place. Place by some of the states to say, we're cool with trade shows. You can come and have a trade show and you don't have an income tax flying up in our state. So there are a few states that have said that physical presence, that popcorn trade show physical presence isn't enough. And there are some states that limit the amount of days in state when you pop in, you pop out to say like 11. So there's just a few states that say, we're cool if you're less than this amount of days. And I guess I would say to you as a business, like good luck measuring that. Like that's the first and foremost priority to say, how many times it's so and so go to Indiana. Like that is the last thing any business really cares about tracing. But unfortunately, it's something that people need to be thinking about. And then we morph to this affiliate nexus. Like you own an entity and it's making a market on your behalf. And because it's making a market, you know, you guys are together and those attributes are flay off each other. And then we had agency nexus, which is I hire a third party to make a market, be my distributor, and they create nexus for me because they're making a market for me and other people and they're getting closing contracts contracts or whatever is being negotiated because it makes it easier for me. And that could be an issue for Nexus. And then we had click through Nexus and that was crazy. Like you pay somebody, a blogger or somebody like that, a, a percentage of every sale that gets consummated when they go from your blog to the website to interact. And somehow they know that, but we all know that now cookies are real and they are following you and they are not something to be eaten. <laughs> And then of course, what do we what we we ended up with Wayfair stays. So I mean, what you know, you've been doing this 25 years. I've been doing this 26. We always joke, we're like a year apart. What do you think, you know, based on your living in this world and explain to cut your clients like you have a duty, you don't have a duty, and they're all leading with Wayfair. What do you what do you think about that morphing to that? Well, I think it also since since I have a lot of income tax background, huh? I guess 
in an in, from a state income tax perspective, those kind of economic nexus rules have been in place for years. And so I'm kind of not surprised that sales tax is finally, you know, kind of caught up. It's taken them a long time because if you think about it, and I think this can be surprising to some taxpayers that the MTC, the Multi-State Tax Commission, had put those factor presence rules in place in 2002. And what that meant was that, you know, their their kind of baseline is $500,000 of sales into a state, $50,000 of payroll, $50,000 of property, or if you're, you know, overall property payroll and sales are 25% or more of the total, then that would be nexus creating in a jurisdiction. Now that's the MTC's rule and not every state has to follow it. And as you know, as we know, now not every state has, you know, that bright line economic nexus rule for income tax. But I think it just goes to show, right, that those rules were put in place in 2002. And then we've seen over time in the income tax space where, you know, like the Toys R Us case, the Jeffrey case, that was back in the 90s, where yeah. that started kind of this opening up the floodgates of oh, you know, if you're just kind of deriving income in our jurisdiction, then that's enough to create nexus. And so I guess, you know, again, you know, in the state and local tax world, things move slow. Um, But I guess I'm not really surprised that now, you know, we've morphed in the sales tax space to Wayfair. And now we have economic nexus rules that we have to layer in because from an income tax perspective, we've always had to do that really for a very long time, not always, for a long time. But it's just it's just a lot more complexity. And I guess it just goes to show, right, that the states are becoming more and more creative as to how they're gonna get revenue. And it, you know, and rightly so, because of the way our economy is shifting and has shifted over time. And you know, we'll, it remains to be seen whether we see even more of that shift or change in state laws with, you know, like the digital advertising that we've seen with Maryland, for example, and, you know, some of the other states that have had those digital advertising tax proposals. I mean, I think it just goes to show, right, that the states are, they're starting to, you know, get a little bit more savvy and smart to the ways that they can get revenue and coming on board with how, you know, we as a, you know, society do business and how we get information and and, and are taking all of that in and it, it affects taxes. Right. And I was just going to end with states house the citizens that buy your goods. And their view is they maintain the roads and the police and the court system and all the infrastructure so you can get your good to their constituent, which lives in their state. And so they have are entitled to tax them. And so they really feel that it's their right. And so it's not such a simple thing as I ship it in or drone it in or delivered on FedEx, right? And I didn't have anything to do with it once it left my dock or let once I sent send on, you know, that's not true. You had a lot to do with it. Even if you didn't do it in state, you had a lot of things that supported you to get your service to the customer or your product that the state paid for and they need to be reimbursed to for the infrastructure costs and also with the maintenance of that infrastructure. So and I think that's a good reminder, right? Because I think yeah. we, get, we get a lot of questions about like, well, why do they think they can tax us? Yeah. But that's a good reminder to say, okay, these are the reasons why. And so. I think if you can send an invoice and get something to a customer out of your own state or out of your own country, why can't you tax them? <laughs> right? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to do if you just sat down and figured it out. But of right. course, a lot of people refuse to do that. And that's why we exist. Because we're here to figure out that puzzle of sales tax and state taxes for all our clients. All right. And with that, 
If anybody has additional questions or wants more information, reach out to us at saltivation.com. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.